Now, whether or not you are an Anglophile, the pageantry and communal grief over Queen Elizabeth's death has held the attention of people all over the world. I don't know if you, like me, will be getting up early tomorrow morning to observe her funeral service, but as the queen is honored for her life and for her wonderful service for her country, her life is not the only topic for the spotlight. Woven behind the statements and the public appearances, the family dynamics of the royal family have provided another venue for curiosity and commentary. Now, there are plenty of stories told about the Queen's four children and their changing roles after her death. And then, of course, there's the next generation. There's Prince William and Prince Harry who are reunited together and seen with their wives. And there are more questions stirring about their own relationship. There is plenty of drama, past, present, and future in this royal family. But of course, you don't have to be a member of the royal family to be familiar with complicated family dynamics. We experience our own family dynamics within our own web of family relationships. You may have an adult child who makes choices you don't understand, a sibling who is often defensive, or a parent who practices favoritism. We carry our own tenderness with stories of messy family dynamics, and our hearts are wounded due to estrangement, differences, and judgment. And the families in Scripture are no different. From the first set of brothers, Abel and Cain, to Isaac and Ishmael, Esau and Jacob, to King David's children, and to the sisters Mary and Martha who welcomed Jesus, we learn more about God's mercy and love through the family dynamics in the Bible. Now, today's story is likely familiar. It's often known as the prodigal son. But I hope you will listen with fresh ears this morning. Jesus uses this story to teach the Pharisees and the scribes about God's welcome. And we are still learning about God's extravagant hospitality today. So today, starting with verse 11, listen to this third story in a series from Luke, chapter 15. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So the father divided his property between them. And a few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. 
and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed his pigs. The younger son would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So the younger son set off and he went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. And then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. And now his elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what was going on. And the servant replied, your brother has come and asked, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. And then the older son became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But the older son answered his father, listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, as Ginger reminded us when she spoke with the children, this is a story that Jesus tells after he overheard the Pharisees and the scribes complaining that he was spending too much time with the wrong people. 
The religious leaders were concerned that Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners. And so hearing their grumbling, Jesus tells three stories. One about a shepherd who goes after one lost sheep in a flock of 100 and returns with the sheep rejoicing. One about a woman who searches throughout her house for one lost silver coin and celebrates with her friends when she finds it. And then Jesus concludes with this story, a story of two lost sons and a father who rejoices and celebrates when one returns home. The concern in all three stories is that someone or something has been lost. And while the Pharisees, scribes, and disciples are listening to these parables, Jesus emphasizes the joy in heaven and the joy among God's angels when the lost are found, when a sinner repents. All three stories conclude with rejoicing and celebration that the lost have been found and all are reunited. The final verse in God's love song is joyful and jubilant. Jesus tells three stories that all end with a party. When we consider how our own faith journey carries us through the peaks and valleys of life, it is good to remember that with God's love, there is joy at the finale. And yet, this story of the father with the two sons illustrates the complexity of family dynamics and the reality that we are not always ready to celebrate. The story ends with the older son waiting outside the party. We'll call him Lawrence. He's not yet ready to join in celebrating his younger brother's return. Let's call him Trip. Now, we can relate to Lawrence's reluctance to join in celebrating Trip who asked for his inheritance and then spent it all. We can understand why Lawrence is frustrated. His brother is getting the royal treatment after he left to party while Lawrence stayed home working. It's not fair. It's not what Lawrence was expecting. It's not what the Pharisees or the scribes were expecting. And it may not be what we were expecting. The Father's love overflows more than either son can imagine because God's love is not contained by our expectations. God's love isn't always fair. God's love is revolutionary. So much so, God's love is still changing lives and changing minds, uniting families in conflict, and working towards peace. God's love is beyond our expectations, whether we can relate to the younger brother 
or the older brother. God's love is welcoming us to join the celebration. And here's the key. The father's love is present for both sons, and he is willing to risk looking foolish. The father is willing to risk running to his younger son, a social faux pas of men of means at that time, to wrap trip with welcome and affection while his son is still on the road back home. The father meets his eldest son with compassion and understanding, hoping Lawrence will celebrate that their family is reunited too. Both sons are surprised by the extravagance of their father's love. He goes above and beyond what they expect. Both sons have different expectations for what life together looks like. And yet, it's the father's love that sets the tone. God's love is that extravagant. God's love still surprises us. God's love may push us beyond our comfort zone to change our expectations. Beloved, we are here today praying for God's love to set the tone for how we live, work, play, and celebrate with our neighbors. So come and celebrate. Come and celebrate who God is. Our God is countercultural, a God who welcomes the lost and the wandering and those who have made mistakes. Come and celebrate that in Christ's church, we are still seeking and welcoming the lost. No matter if we understand this story through the eyes of the faithful elder son or the wild, adventurous younger son or the dutiful, faithful Pharisees, we are all invited to join the celebration that Jesus describes in this story. We recognize that the dynamics may get complicated and messy, but the joy of God's kingdom cannot be suppressed. The surprising, ironic, patient, generous God is waiting and ready for you and me to come home. God is ready to celebrate any time we focus our lives on faithfully following the God of radical love. Jesus invites you to come and celebrate. Come and bask in the joy of God's love. There is joy waiting for you and for me. May it be so. Let us pray. God of compassion and joy, we are caught off guard by your extravagant love. Guide us to join you in celebrating. Lead us to welcome our family and neighbors with such joy. Grant us courage to move beyond our expectations into your commonwealth with celebration. May it be so. Amen.